we are either going to believe that things are true or, or not. They're either going to be absolute truths or they're not going to be absolute truths. And that's the dilemma that, we're in our, that is in our world today. Is there really truth? Are some things really, really true or not? Today we're living in not just a morally corrupt day, but we're living in a politically corrupt day. Now, I just want to say something that's on my mind. I know it's, uh, I haven't voted yet, but I'm going to. I'm going, I just can't wait to run to the polls and vote. Because I hate corrupt politics. I mean, I really do. I've always hated the political maneuvering of people. Politics divides people. It never unites people. Corrupt politics leads to a person doing something that he would not ordinarily do. It demands an abandonment of conscience. It is a you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours mentality. That's what politics is about. It's about you doing something for someone because they do something for you. It's not the golden rule. It's the opposite of the golden rule. The golden rule, Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, even if they don't do it. The golden rule of politics is do for others only if you get the promise that they will do something for you. And that's the kind of politically corrupt world we're living in today. A world where it appears that there are two sets of laws, uh, two sets of truth, you know. One law for those with power and wealth and a different law for ordinary people. If you have enough money, you can break the law and get by with anything. At least that's how it appears to me. At least that's how it has appeared over the last several years. If you or I have been guilty of some of the things we've seen powerful people do, we would already be in prison for life. Dirty politics. Doing, something, doing someone a favor because they have or will do a favor for you. That's why the majority of people do not trust the media or their politicians. The people we trust to lead us in the right have led us the wrong way. At least most of them have. So where is the right today? Where is the model of right in our country? We're in a season of voting. I mean, the time when I hope every American will go and express their view. If you're like me, express your view that we're on, a, on the wrong track and we need to do something about it. We need to guard what is right we need some Christians who will stand up and guard the right. We need to have a little bit of courage, to do, a whole lot of courage. And we need to be a model of truth for those who don't understand truth anymore. So today I want to look at Paul's life and ministry as we are winding down, actually, our study of his life and ministry. And let us see how this man remained strong when he was surrounded by evil, surrounded by corrupt people. Let's see how he guarded the right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 25. And let's continue our message, Transforming Grace. Would you just bow with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for your word today. We want to honor you, Lord, by looking into it. Lord, I'm going to open the Bible. Mine's already open. I've already read it. I'm going to look at it again today. I'm going to teach from it. Lord, I just thank you for giving me a word that's already spoken to my heart. You've already, this word has already been preached to me. It's already challenged my life. And Father, what I say today, I pray that your words that your Holy Spirit will take whatever you've put in my mouth, whatever you've taught me, and you'll teach someone else. I don't know what each person needs. I don't know what you want to say to them, but I pray that every one of our hearts and lives and minds would be open to your Holy Spirit, that you would surround us with your, your presence and your truth, that it might sink in. That God, that we might be people who stand for the right, we're in a world that cannot seem to determine what is right and wrong. I pray that we, like Paul, would stand for what is right, that we would guard the right. 
and that we would make a difference in our voice and our vote and turn America back to you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Transforming grace. Now, Paul had finished nearly a decade-long mission to take the good news of Jesus to the world. Churches were planted all over Asia Minor. Many thousands of people had been transformed by the saving grace of God. The doctrines of the New Testament church were being developed. And the Great Commission was spreading to the ends of the earth. And after this, Paul was ready to return to Jerusalem, the place where his Savior bled and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. Jerusalem the place where Paul had begun his training as a young Pharisee at the feet of a wise rabbi named Gamaliel. Jerusalem, the place where Paul had first been introduced to Christianity and had grown to hate Jesus and all who followed him. It was in Jerusalem that Saul, later called Paul, received orders from his boss, the high priest, to track down Christians who had fled to Damascus and bring them bound back to Jerusalem for an official trial before the Sanhedrin. But while on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, it was Saul, later called Paul, who would meet Christ Jesus, the resurrected Lord. And Jesus would save him and transform him and send him not to destroy the disciples of Christ, but to make disciples of Christ everywhere he went. Paul's gospel mission took him throughout Asia Minor, where he preached the message of salvation through faith in Jesus. He preached in Jewish synagogues and Gentile arenas, always the same message. Read it with me. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, tell me, shall be what? Saved. Amen? Amen? That's the Word of God. Is this truth? Do you believe this truth? Amen? Do you? You should, especially... If it has impacted your life. If you have really, truly been born again, then you can say amen all day long to that truth. Time and again, the Jews, blind to the truth of Jesus and bound to their tradition, rejected Paul and tried to silence his witness. While Gentiles received the gospel with gladness. After three journeys, Paul began his return to Jerusalem to try once more and convince his own nation, a people he loved, to receive Jesus as Savior, as Messiah. What he received instead was rejection and abuse at the hands of evil Christ-haters. The high priest and Jewish elders who hated Jesus, they hated Paul. When Paul tried to reason with them, sharing the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, they tried to tear Paul apart and would have succeeded had it not been for the Roman tribune Claudius Lysias. Lysias sent soldiers to remove Paul out of their hands by force to learn why the Jews hated him so. And then when Paul revealed that he was a Roman citizen, Lysias placed Paul in protective custody. That night upon hearing that some Jews planned to assassinate Paul, the Roman tribune ordered that Paul be escorted by armed guards to Caesarea where he could defend himself before the Roman procurator Claudius Felix. The high priest and Jewish elders traveled to Caesarea to stand before Felix and accuse Paul. They wanted Felix to release Paul into their custody, secretly intending to murder Paul to stop the spread of Christianity. That was their goal, stop the spread of Christianity. They had tried that before, hadn't they? When they, tried, when they convinced a previous Roman procurator, Pontius Pilate, to crucify Jesus. When the death of Jesus, but the death of Jesus only served to ignite the fire of Christianity. And so the Jews made another attempt. Kill all the Christians. Kill Christians everywhere. Hunt them down. Put them in jail. Execute them. And they tried by convincing a, a second Roman procurator, Claudius Felix, to turn Paul over to them for judgment. And punishment. 
But Felix would not release Paul to them. There was nothing to charge him with, at least nothing that was a crime in the eyes of Roman justice. Felix talked to Paul. He had been so close to the truth. Acts 24, 24 relates how Felix and his third wife, the 16-year-old Drusilla, who was Jewish, talked with Paul often about faith in Jesus. Yet Felix would not take the final step of faith. He knew the charges against Paul were false. So would he release Paul? Would Felix take a stand and do the right thing? Well, let's look. Chapter 24, verses, 20, verses 25 through 27. Now, as Felix reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. He was talking to Paul. Paul was telling him about judgment, about Jesus returning. and Well, he was afraid. And he answered Paul, Go away for now, Paul. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for Paul more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Felix kept Paul in custody for two years because he wanted to do the Jews a favor. He chose the wrong over the right. And then after two years, Felix was removed from his position. You see, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that Felix was responsible, his lack of leadership was responsible for a lot of civil unrest between the Jewish and Gentile communities in Caesarea, which prompted the Jews to send the Jewish leaders to send an angry delegation to Rome which ultimately led to the removal of Felix. His replacement, Porcius Festus, well, little is known about him, other than the fact that he assumed his office in 59 A.D. and died unexpectedly three years later. He did, however, seem to be a fair and honorable man. Well, let's see if Festus did the right thing. Chapter 25. Now when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, and then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore he said to those Jews, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. So Paul had been in Caesarea in jail in custody for two years because Felix did the wrong thing, waiting for trial. When Porcius Festus assumed power, the first thing he did, he went to Jerusalem where the Jewish high priest and the band of evil men began to tell Festus why they hated Paul, and asked him to send for Paul. See, Paul's in Caesarea, in jail. They, and, Felix, and Festus had come to Jerusalem to meet with the Jews. So they, they were asking Festus to send for Paul. Bring him here so we can question him. They really wanted to kill him. They wanted to ambush him. Festus would not grant their, position, their petition, but instead... He invited them to Caesarea. He said, I'm going to Caesarea. Come on up here where they could lay out their case against Paul. Here we go again. The lying Jewish leaders planning to ambush and murder Paul, trying to convince the judge, Festus, to bring Paul back to Jerusalem so they could do their dirty deed because they, again, we're planning to ambush him on the road. I want you to think about this for a minute. These were the Jewish elders, the elders of Israel. These were supposed to be keepers of the Old Testament law. These were supposed to be good men. And yet they chose the wrong over and over again. What should Festus have done? He was the Roman procurator. He was the one who had the power, the authority... What should he have done? Well, I'll tell you what he should have said to these Jews. He should have said, look, 
I am the Roman authority here, and Paul is a citizen of Rome. He has not broken any Roman laws, and he is free to go. And by the way, if any, of, if any harm comes to citizen Paul, I will hold you personally accountable and place you in, under arrest. Now, that would have been the right thing to do. It would have been. It's what he should have said. But he didn't. Look at verses 6 through 9. And when Festus had remained among them more than ten days. He went down, he was ten days in Jerusalem. He went down to Caesarea, and the next day in Caesarea, sitting on the judgment seat in his formal trial, he commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about him and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove, while he answered nothing for himself. Neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all, Paul said. But Festus, now notice with me, but Festus, wanting to do the Jews a what? What's it say? A favor. Wanting to do the Jews a favor. Answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? He's already in Caesarea. The Jews are there. Are you willing to go? Paul, wouldn't you like to go back to Jerusalem? Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor. He could have released Paul. He could have protected Paul. He could have done the right thing, but he didn't. Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor. So he kept Paul in illegal custody. Corrupt politics. Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor, so he tried to persuade Paul to go face them in Jerusalem, which is exactly what the Jews had in mind. They wanted to kill Paul. Two times, Paul would have been released if the Roman officials would just have done the right Thing. Folks, there's always a choice. Do right or do wrong. Always. On two occasions, two men, men who had authority, men who should have been protectors of what is right, chose to do the wrong as a favor to others who were doing wrong. Uh, I've heard the saying, maybe you have too, that politics makes strange bedfellows, you know. Boy, it was true here. The Romans and the Jews hated each other. They did. But they were collaborating. <laughs> to do, they were doing each other a favor at the expense of Paul. They were doing each other a favor at the expense. They were doing wrong at the expense of the only person in the story who was doing the right thing. And who was that? Paul. Paul guarded what was right. He guarded the right. No matter who he faced, he chose the right. His message was the same. Paul did not water down his message. He did not omit parts of his message. He did not silence his message as a favor to anyone. Paul boldly proclaimed that Jesus died for the sins of the world and rose again that whosoever would repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ would be saved. That was his message. That was the truth. That's the right message. The only message that can transform lives. And it, all it needs is an open heart and an open mind for the gospel to change everything. All it needs is for a Christian who, like Paul, will be willing to stand and choose the right even be, when being surrounded by the wrong. The politics of these events realize how Satan is always at work to stop Jesus and his disciples. Folks, if you're trying to live for Jesus, if you're trying to follow the word of Jesus, you're going to face opposition from Satan and those who are trapped by him. If you Listen. If you were to ask people today, people who, call, who claim to be atheists or agnostics, who is in control of your life? They would answer, no one controls me. I am in control of my life. Many times, lost people, people who don't believe the truth, 
people that are doing wrong, many times they don't realize they're under Satan's control. They think they're doing right. In John 8, Jesus was trying to help some unbelieving Jews accept the truth that He is the Messiah. The Savior that Abraham and all the Old Testament saints were waiting for. Listen to how they, in their blindness, responded to Jesus. Pull up John 8 and let's look at it. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Stop. How do you know the truth? You take Jesus at His word. Everything Jesus spoke was true. And you take, when you take that, when you, ex, when you read that, when you let it sink into you, when you accept it, if you, if you stay, abide, continue in this book, you will learn within you, you will realize that this is the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him. Now, these are the Jews answering him, Jewish leaders. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Well, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now listen, look at this. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Who's in control then? Satan. These people in Jesus' day were lost and they did not know it. The Jews who accused Paul, they were lost and did not know it. The Roman officials who listened to Paul were lost. They were bound by Satan, and they did not know it. They were wrong, but they thought what they were doing was right. Most of the world today is following Satan and his agenda. These people that are following Satan, and they don't realize it, they are blinded by the devil. And that's why they continue to do the wrong thing and think it's right. They think they're right. Because they will not open their hearts to the truth of Jesus that sets men free. You cannot read this Bible and accept this Word and allow it to transform your life and then be confused about what is right and wrong. The Holy Spirit makes sure you know what is right and wrong. The Holy Spirit through the Word of God, by the grace of God, transforms our lives. And that means He transforms the knowledge, the discernment of what is right and wrong. Like Paul, you and I who are followers of Jesus Christ need some people to do the right thing. We need some leaders who will do the right thing. We need other Christians who will stand up and speak and do the right thing. We need to guard what is right. Now, we have a choice to make. We can be like the world and follow Satan and his agenda, which is destroying every shred of decency from our culture, or else we can stand up like Paul and speak the truth of Jesus Christ to a world that is blind to him. If Christians do not share the message and love of Jesus, who will share it? If Christians do not guard the right, the truth, who will guard it? The point is this. Someone has got to do the right thing if wrong is ever going to be overcome. If justice and right is going to prevail, then someone must do the right thing. Look at these Roman authorities, always trying to please the Jews. Did the Jews have a case against Paul? No. Paul did nothing against the Jewish law nor the Roman law. The Jews just hated Paul because Paul loved Jesus. So why did the Roman officials not release Paul? He was a Roman citizen. Why didn't they release him? Corrupt politics. The Roman authorities wanted to appease the Jews so that the Jews would not cause them any trouble. 
The local authorities did not want the emperor to hear of unrest in their jurisdiction, so they offered to keep Paul in custody in return for Jewish cooperation. You do something for me, and I'll do something for you, whether it's right or not. And that's where we are in our culture today. Folks, we are living in a similar time when people will do whatever it takes to further their cause, even if it means doing something wrong. In other words, people today would sell their own soul for something that they really want. When Paul stood before Felix and Festus, he could have been released to continue his Christian mission. But what stood in the way was the selfish ambition of two political leaders. Now, we're in that kind of day, folks, whether, you, whether we want to admit it or not, we're there. It's no wonder Americans don't trust their leaders. They've shown their true colors so many times. They've shown that holding on to power means more to them than doing what is right for the people they represent. And I recognize that there are some people of integrity, there are some people trying to do the right who are serving us. I just think there are too few people choosing what is right. And that's always going to be the case until we get to the place to where we guard the right. When we will not choose leaders who are anti-Christian. We will not choose people to represent us who do not choose to, to the right and guard our, our Christian values. So, we need people who will stand up for what is right. That's what I've been praying this whole time. God, I... Listen, God, give us leaders. Give us, give us Christian leaders. We need it so desperately in America. We need Christian people leading our nation again. Look at Paul. Let me show you his example. This is what happens when leaders do not share their Christian values with the, pe with the people that are before them. This is what happens. Good people are charged and put in jail and held against their will. That's what happened to Paul. That can happen in America. And this does not happen exclusively, by the way, in the political arena. It happens in the workplace and in the classrooms and in communities. Wherever there are people, groups of people, practicing wrong, someone must take a stand and do what is right or else wrong will prevail and even become the norm. Now, this is the danger we face of not speaking up for what is right, of, for not standing. The more people practice wrong, the more that wrong becomes the cultural norm. The more people practice wrong without any consequence or without any counter by the right, the more the wrong becomes right to them and their culture. So, if you were to ask, let me ask you, if I were to ask you, Hey, how do you know what is right or wrong? How do you know that stealing, murder, jealousy, lying is wrong? How do you know that? Somebody out here, tell me, how do you know stealing, lying, murder, these are wrong? How do you know that? Okay, I knew someone was going to say the Ten Commandments. Because when I was growing up, that's what I was taught. Listen, I was taught that the Bible and the Ten Commandments tell us that these things are wrong. Most of us would say that that are here today. They would say that right and wrong is based upon God's definition of right and wrong. But what about people who don't really believe in God? What about people who have never been to church? What about people who've never read the Bible? Where do they get their sense of right and wrong? They depend upon a godless culture to tell them what is right and wrong. And the problem is that our culture today believes in moral relativism. Now, I want to tell you about this. This is important. You may not even have thought about this before. This is where we are. Moral relativism is the idea that there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles, that our idea of morality is based upon cultural norms. Do you understand that? In other words, it's saying that if enough people in a culture say, America, okay? If enough people in a culture accept something, then everyone should accept it as right. It becomes right because people accept it as right. 
Culture then takes the place of God. And this is where we are today, folks. Listen, this is where your children and your grandchildren, this is, this is what they are being taught. Yes, it is. I recently heard a young person say, with my own ears, by the way. Didn't read it, I heard it. A young person said, I'm not going to teach my children any religion because I believe religion is just an opinion of man. Now, I want to tell you that this young person grew is in a, a home where they go to church. How about that? They're in a home where they go to church. And yet this young person has, been, has received this from the culture that says there is no absolute truth. So therefore, there is no absolute truth of God. And therefore, Christianity... Like all the other religions, they are just an opinion of man. And I don't think they ought to be pushed on our children. Our culture is indoctrinating children to believe that there is no right, real right or wrong. And if that is true, then the culture is teaching children you can teach, you can do anything you please as long as enough people accept it. And that's why this woke agenda is being pushed on our children. And this is why Christians need to stand up and speak up and teach this world what is right and wrong again. <laughs> we guard the right by teaching the truth of God's Word. That's what I'm doing today. That's what I do every day I have the opportunity. Listen to what... The Bible says, this is about truth. Psalm 119, 142. Your righteousness, talking to God, God, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is what? Truth. Psalm 119, 158. The in, or excuse me, Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. I see, Psalm 119, 158, I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. And then it is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. We are here. We're here. We're right there in that verse of Scripture. They have regarded your word, your law, as void. And God, please act. That's what the psalmist is praying. And yes, that's what I pray. God, it is time for you to act. It is time for you to set things right. And God wants to act through His people as we show the world what is right and wrong. God expects us to do the right thing because failing to do what is right is wrong in His sight. James 4, 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. When we see people around us lost and dying in sin, when we see a culture that has no real sense of right and wrong, it is our duty to give them the truth. You say, but I don't believe in pushing my belief on anybody. Friends, let me tell you something. <laughs> believe me, Satan and those who follow him are pushing his truth on you and your family, your children, your grandchildren. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. They're pushing as hard as they can. When we see people around us, it's our duty. Who don't know the, what is right, it's our duty to show them what is right. Give them the truth. That is so important to our world a world that's lost its morality. Dr. William Larkin wrote, In an age when the majority view all moral values as relative, the Christian witness needs to find a way to speak of God's righteousness again in such a way that it raises a standard for all. In a time when sin is viewed as alternative lifestyles, psychosocial dysfunctions, addictions, or even disease, the gospel witness needs to find a way to speak meaningfully of responsible moral self-control. In an age of anxiety, when humans know something is wrong, though they have rejected the moral categories, absolutes, sin, and guilt, that would enable them to know someone is wrong. 
The Christian witness must learn how to declare a judgment to come in terms that make sense. Unless this happens, repentance will be impossible and a salvation rescue will appear unnecessary and hence irrelevant. We're there, Dr. Larkin. We're there. When Paul stood before the Jews who wanted to kill him, what did he do to counter this this wrong? He kept proclaiming and practicing the righteousness of Christ. He gave them the truth. When he stood before Felix, who wanted a bribe from Paul and wanted to do the Jews a favor at Paul's expense, Paul kept proclaiming and practicing the righteousness of Christ. He gave them the truth. When Paul stood before Festus, a Roman procurator, that wanted to convince Paul to go to the vicious Jews in Rome, Paul kept proclaiming and practicing the righteousness of Christ. He gave them the truth. When we, are, when we today are confronted with evil, that modern culture calls acceptable or normal, we, like Paul, must keep proclaiming and practicing the righteousness of Christ because in doing so, we counter this culture of relativism and teach the truth again that has been lost in our country. I believe there's three reasons why we must today practice what is right First of all, Christians must practice what is right to teach the world a truth to follow. They need to know the truth. They don't understand the truth. They don't know what is true. All around them they're hearing there is no truth. Second, Christians must practice what is right or else wrong becomes the cultural norm. That's where we are. Things that are not right Things that are wrong in the sight of God are being accepted by people, even by people who call themselves Christians. Thirdly, Christians must practice what is right to make our witness of Jesus Christ believable. The behavior our culture accepts today would not have been tolerated a hundred years ago. If you're as old as I am, the behavior the culture accepts today would not have been practiced in my young years. It wasn't accepted. In my lifetime, children were taught truth. They were taught right from wrong. They were taught absolute truth. The spiritually blind world does not want to see truth and right as absolute but it's changing with the culture. We must show them a better way. We must teach them the truth again, the truth that liberates them, the truth of a grace that can transform them for eternity. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Paul was doing everywhere he went, teaching the truth of Jesus, and that's what we must do. Satan wanted to destroy Paul and he was using the corrupt Jews and Romans to silence his message of faith, his message of truth. And Satan wants to do the same to us. But remember this, God's truth is a powerful thing. You might not feel like you are qualified or able to debate philosophical points with people, but you don't have to. Just speak the truth. Just teach the truth. Just give your world the truth of God's Word and let Him do the rest. You know what happened when Satan tempted Jesus? When Satan tried to argue with Jesus and tried to get Him to fail morally? Do you know what what Jesus did? Did He argue with Satan? What did He give them? What What did Jesus give Satan out in the wilderness? What did He give him? The Scriptures. The Word of God. He gave them the powerful Word of God. Just give your world the truth of God's Word and let Him do the rest. Folks, He knows what He's doing. God knows what He's doing. God knows how to work His plan out through us. So, with all this against Paul, God still worked out His plan in Paul's life to get him to Rome, the seat of world power, where where this devoted man of God could proclaim the message of Jesus and practice the righteousness of Christ in the most powerful place on earth. Look at verses 9 through 12 as we close. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I've done no wrong, as you very well know, for 
If I am a, an offender or have committed anything de deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. Paul was one step closer to Rome, and we see the hand of God working to fulfill his purpose again in Paul's life. Still, wherever Paul found himself, he preached the gospel, he told the truth, he displayed the righteousness of Christ, and so must we. You know, today, do you know that nearly three-quarters of Americans believe our nation's heading in the wrong direction? That's right. The question for Christians today is, well, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> are we going to do what's right or do what's wrong? Like Paul, we've got to keep proclaiming the truth, living the truth, practicing the truth, practicing right before others. We must be diligent about showing our world the transforming grace and truth of Jesus because true Christians are the only ones who really know the truth that sets men free. The truth that transforms one who is lost into one who is found, into one who is saved. And that's our grace principle today. Let's read it together. Only those who hear and receive the truth of God are transformed by the grace of God. That's how you know truth. But you allow God, you accept the truth of the gospel, you allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life, and then you know the truth. You stay in the Word, and the more you're in the Word, the more you know the truth. And that's why we, like Paul, must take advantage of every opportunity to teach people the truth that has changed our lives and can set them free. Because some people, for some people, no, for a lot of people in our world today, we are the only moral truth, the only real truth that they will see. My son Andrew has a dog named Ben, and Ben has a bad habit. I mean, we've had this little trouble. He's, a, he's got a couple of little bad habits, but the biggest one is that he, he digs out of his lot. He's down at the, our little farm down there, and he, uh, one bad habit, I mean, he just won't, he, it's hard for him to learn things. He, he's got a little, he's, he's half basset hound, half German shepherd, if you can believe that. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he likes to herd those horses. When you go to feed them, he wants to help herd the horses. Problem is, he'll run in there in their stall and jump up and grab their tail. Now, he's only about this tall. So, you know, a couple kicks. I mean, he's learned a little bit there. He'll still try to do it, but he's learned a few things. But another thing he tries to do, he digs out. See, Quentin lives across the street and Julie. And so Ben likes to get out and go visit his friends over across the street. Well, it's, that's a bad thing for a dog to do. How does he get out? He tunnels under the fence. That's what he does. He takes his basset hound feet and he digs and digs and digs and digs until he tunnels under the feet. And, and runs out. Well, Andrew's tried to stop him. He'll put, Andrew's put boards down at the bottom. He'll just tunnel under the boards. He's put concrete blocks down there. He'll somehow push those concrete blocks aside. So Andrew went to the, and bought a little electric fence. You know, it works for horses. He thought it might work for a dog. So he put his electric fence around the bottom of the dog lot. And he put it in there and turned it on, and we went out doing our thing, feeding, watering, whatever, and we heard, yep, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> well, and just a little bit later, we heard, ah, yeah, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> About the third time we heard it, we didn't hear it anymore. And then Andrew went to the fence, and he was a little bit afraid to go near that fence. A couple of yelps, and old Ben hasn't tunneled out anymore. He has not escaped. He learned an important lesson about doing the right thing. Now, folks, our children, our grandchildren, this world's being taught that there's no boundaries, no real truths, and one day they're going to get zapped and hurt because of what our culture is teaching them. They need some real truth, the truth of God to protect them. And we, the followers of Jesus, know just what they need, the truth of Jesus, the truth that can transform their lives. Everybody needs it, folks. This is good 
for everybody. So, every day, give people the truth. Try to talk about Jesus with someone. Try to find an opportunity to say something to someone. I've, been, I've really been trying to, to do that. Every day, I'm trying to say to somebody, God bless you, or have a blessed day. Or here's a Calvary card. We've got cards out on the, well, on the, on the resource table. Get, give them something. Watch us. Hey, could you, would you look at us on Facebook? I mean, I've tried to do that every day. Everybody needs the truth, whether they're an impressionable child or a corrupt politician or a wicked person. Give them the truth and let God do the rest. So every day, talk about Jesus. Live for Jesus. Because there's a mixed up people around us who don't know who or what to believe, give them the truth that can transform their lives. Amen. Let's bow. I just wonder today, while we're praying for a moment, how are you guarding the right in your life? Are you guarding yourself against all that evil that's around you? I mean, you're, you're surrounded by evil people. How are you guarding the right to make sure you are living right before others? How are you guarding your family, your home? Are you displaying what it is to be a Christian before the people you work with or, or live with or go to school with in all your relationships? Do you practice righteousness before others? Or do you... Do you just do wrong to please other people? Are you what are you teaching the people who are watching you? Are you, like, can, are you standing strong like Paul no matter when he's, he's surrounded by vicious people? Are you standing strong? Are you letting your light shine for Jesus? Are you letting others see Jesus in you? Is Jesus visible in your life? If not, maybe it's time to either clean up the lamp, the globe. Why don't you ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins? If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Maybe your light's dim because you've allowed the old globe to get dirty by the smut out there. Why don't you pray and ask Jesus to clean you up? Why don't you confess to Him? You don't have to confess to me. Confess to Jesus. Say, this is what I'm guilty of, Jesus, and I know it. I'm not going to hide it or keep doing it. I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Help me not do it again. Help me live for you. Help me overcome that weakness that Satan attacks over and over. Pray and talk to Jesus. He wants to help you. He loves you. Maybe you need Him in your life. He died on the cross. He did the hard work for you. He suffered and died for you. So you could be forgiven. He paid a price for you with His own blood. Will you accept that? Will you believe it? Pray and ask Him to come into your life. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe. I believe that you died for me on the cross. That your blood paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I accept it. I will not doubt it. I accept it. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Fill me with your spirit, with your presence. Show me what is right. Help me know your truth. I pray, Jesus, teach me what I need to do. I accept you as my only Savior. And I will follow you the rest of my life, no matter what anyone else does. I'll do what's right in your sight. If you prayed that prayer, if you received it, Jesus, the greatest thing you could ever do is receive Jesus and love Jesus. Now you follow Jesus. Don't let anybody keep you from following Jesus. When we're singing, I'll, the cameras will be off. If you'd like to come down and share with me, I, I accepted Jesus. If you'd like for me to pray for you, I will. Lord, this is an old, dark, and dangerous world for Christians. But it can turn around if every Christian in America would stand up and speak the truth again. The truth of your word, this world, this country would turn around if every Christian would just 
stand up. I pray that. And God, as we enter this season, when we are electing our officials, I want to pray, God, remove people who do not share our Christian values. Just remove them. And God, put in people who will, who will stand for what is right, who will guard our values. I pray, God, give us leaders to lead us back to your path for this country, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Steve. Stand with us as we sing without him. Be done.